Hello again, and welcome to the 33rd episode of the iRace We Gamble podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Alex Crum, joined as always by Josh Slimer. And then there were four. That's right. There were four. After 33 episodes, there are four. Um, I was just thinking, I'd, I'd, should I keep the episode number going, or is it easier if I just do like 2020 episode one, or 2022 episode one? Oh, I think you keep the episode going. All right. I'll let it be known that it was decided on episode 33. Um, <laughs> before we get to any of our discussion of uh, what happened at Martinsville or the upcoming Mexican Grand Prix or iRacing, um, did want to note uh, that, unfortunately, because I, I mentioned I was going to be at the Bills game this past weekend, um, and I had YouTube TV just recording the race for me. So I attempted to watch it at, the, at when the game ended, um, while I was in Buffalo, because I had a ride back toward Rochester, um, and it wouldn't let me watch it on YouTube TV. I think because of my location, so I was like, "Whatever, I'll just wait till I get home." Tried to watch it then, did not work either. So I don't know if it's because I tried to watch it out of my area and then it didn't record in my area or something along those lines. But in any case, I kind of got no uh, full race to watch essentially um and i ended up watching or trying to watch highlights of it and josh we were discussing this before the episode because for whatever reason nascar's highlight package and fox's highlight package were both really bad no they sucked it it, it didn't make any sense like they were awful (laughs) there was a huge incident where after the race denny hamlin and uh bowman are going at it in a victory celebration which is very unusual um, they don't even show the like inciting incident in the highlight package. It, like, what? Denny Hamlin was doing his best Chase Elliott impression. <laughs> yeah, and if you watch the NBC extended highlights, which are about 41 minutes long, um, they do show you that. They show you uh, Denny Hamlin and all of his decisions um, and the rest of what actually happens in the race. So um, if you're going to look for highlights, I recommend the NBC one. Um, maybe it's because they had the race this week, so they put more effort into it. But um, if you're ever looking for recaps, that's that's where I would go. Um, but before we get into the main show, I uh, do want to remind you all that we will tweet about highlights, um, stuff going on in the NASCAR world in terms of news, maybe some F1 things um, at our Twitter handle, at iRaceWeGamble. Um, We'll give you some probably reaction to qualifying this weekend since that's Saturday. Um, probably good to note here at the top of the show that uh, we're going to do a bonus pod this Saturday after qualifying to give you a better impression of what our lineups might look like after we know where people start, because that makes a big difference in who you want to pick up for the weekend. So prices are out, but starting positions are not. Yeah, so if you're looking for lineup building advice, you definitely got to tune back in Saturday. Uh-huh. Or Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah. It, I might get it out Saturday night. But in any case, Sunday morning before the race, if you want to make any lineup adjustments, that'll be the time to listen. Um, and we'll also tweet out our lineups, I think, from our Twitter handle. So if you don't have time to listen, you're just checking before the race. Uh, check us out at iRaceWeGamble on Twitter. Um, and then just a reminder that you can also email us with any longer form feedback or questions at Gmail. So just iracewegamble at gmail.com and at iracewegamble on Twitter. Okay, I uh, did want to talk a little bit about iRacing in this episode. Um, there's been a lot more news and events kind of going on than I expected because um, it feels like the end of the season for NASCAR. But I guess in some sense, that's when 
parts of the iRacing uh, season ramp up. So there's a Monday Night Racing League that just started um, that uh, some of the content creators and uh, announcers that you're aware of, that David Schildhouse, who I, you know, he was in some of the videos that you had seen me in um, competing for one of those league events. Um, he is in that league along with Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Kyle Busch. So they got some big names. Um, kind of cool to see. And Schildhouse managed to win the first race of the season um, in that series this past Monday. So pretty cool to see. Um, so I'd recommend checking out his Twitch channel if you want to watch uh, any of that. Um, that's my suggestion. There's You could probably find Monday Night Racing uh, on Twitch itself under one of the broadcasters. Um, I'll probably find that and link to it. Um, and then also the eNASCAR Road to Pro Contender Series, which is formerly the Pro Series um, that I've referred to in the past as sort of the relegation and uh, promotion sort of series in the offseason. Uh, that had its first race last night. Uh, actually, I think it was Wednesday night, yeah. Um, or maybe it was Tuesday night and I watched it Wednesday. In either case, um, they had their Contender Series first race of the season. Um, my guy, Malik Ray, did not have a great start to that race was running in the thirties, but he managed to sneak his way up into the top 20 at the end through some, uh, just smart plays on the track and, uh, avoiding accidents and things like that. So smart, smart race from him. It was good to see. Um, no one that I root for too much was, uh, near the front in that one. So I was kind of just keeping an eye on the mid pack. Um, and then also I actually did some racing this week at Phoenix. Um, kind of wanted to check out the new track and try to improve at it because I know I'm not good at it. Um, so did a few races at Phoenix felt like it was, it was fun, but it's still a huge challenge. And I think, uh, part of what I realized is difficult about that track is you kind of have to extend the corner a lot cause it's so long. So you, I feel like most corners, you kind of like set your car and then you're in the corner and you go through the corner and then you kind of basically transition out so you can transition in and then you're kind of in the same spot and then you transition out. And I think at Phoenix, you really have a like longer transition phase. So you're sort of slowly kind of getting it there and then slowly taking it back out of the corner. It's like a longer process. So I think that's some of what I struggle with when I'm trying to race there. Uh, Josh, are you, what would you guess is the most difficult track if you had to pick to, to if you if I was like, hey, you got to do an I race and let's say oval most difficult oval, you think if, if I had to make you do an I racing race on it. Oh, I would say. Oh, this is tough. Yeah, I know they're on the spot question where I just don't prep you at all. Probably any of the short tracks. Yeah, I don't know, maybe Bristol. Bristol is pretty tough, yeah. Um, yeah, I think any of the 750 horsepower tracks are probably the best answer. Because um, you had to do a lot more driving on them. Yeah. You know, the, the one time I sat down in your setup and did a little bit of it was that Daytona, which was basically just put the cruise control on and go. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a unique challenge for sure. Um, so... Hopefully that speaks to kind of why I think this is probably a good track to have like sort of a last race um, for the Cup Series. Just like it's a you know track you really have to drive, um, which I think is a good thing. So I'm glad it's the last race of the year. You know what else is good about Phoenix? Uh, the desert. There's just, yeah, there's never weather there. <laughs> Very rare. Yeah, that is true. 
Um, used to be in Homestead, Florida, which you never know. Uh, we'll, we'll move on from that to F1. Um, there's an F1 race this weekend in Mexico, which means that the qualifying and race times are actually at, uh, I guess, North American hours. Um, so 4 p.m. for qualifying on Saturday, Eastern time. And then the race is at 2 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. Um, so ultimately conflicts with the NASCAR and NFL schedule a little bit more. So that's kind of a bummer, but um, still on at an hour where if you don't like to wake up early and you don't watch other sports, that's uh, a convenient time, I guess. Uh, but they're going to do 71 laps there, 4.3 kilometer track. Um, Josh, are you are you making any more lineup changes? It seems to be you don't need any to beat me. I am probably going to ride it how I have it. The only thing I think I might do is I might switch my turbo over to uh, Carlos Sands. Mm. That's fair. I think um, I'm going to make some relatively big changes. I think I just want to go all in on Red Bull. Because I realized when I was trying to create a lineup where I put Red Bull in as my constructor, I would just end up having the same lineup as you. Which is fine but i can't catch up to you if i have the same lineup as you <laughs> true so i was like i have to differentiate somehow so i went even more in on red bull and kept them as the constructor and both drivers which i think would let me turbo perez which might be nice um, but that meant i got rid of lando norris for esteban Ocon, which saved me about 7.3 million and then i went from leclerc to sonoda which saved me another 6 million because um, I had to spend 13.7 to move up from Alpha Tower to Red Bull. So the balance sheets worked out, and um, I'm heavy on Red Bull. I think I both Alpha Tower cars, which are like a Red Bull, you know, not, what do you call it, uh, satellite team, sort of. And uh, both Red Bull cars and the Red Bull constructors. So Ocon's the only non-Red Bull attached piece I have in my lineup. So I'm really banking on them hard. Just remember with the catching up to me thing, you uh, haven't used your mega yet either. No, I know it's it would I wouldn't feel so bad if it wasn't for the fact that the two races after you you used your mega, you still gained points on me. So I feel like even with the mega, I'm now got to make up points. That's fair. And I've got the the sprint qualifying coming up next race at Brazil. So that's that's where I hope to really make a push. All right, but let's talk about Martinsville. What do you think? Yeah, let's get into it. Let's just start with something broad. Best day, worst day. So I feel like this is tough um, only because normally you'd probably say like, oh, the winner had the best day. Um, It's in the playoffs, so the winner isn't necessarily a playoff driver and doesn't necessarily mean they like, oh, lock their way into the next round. so, I mean, like, you could say Bowman had the best day because he won, but it didn't. It was a less meaningful win, you could say, although I'm sure he didn't feel that way at all. Um, but less impactful overall in the sport. And he also had the controversy of Hamlin kind of jumping into um, his victory celebration, like I mentioned at the top. And so I feel like that sort of, you know, it's not the same as just like, oh, great win, blah, blah, blah. So I, I honestly want to say the best day was probably... Truex because I think he got put on like a roller coaster and <laughs> he probably had the worst day and the best day. I feel like he was like definitely going to be in the playoff and then 
from what I saw in the highlights, he basically got shuffled out and bumped into and run off the road and was outside the playoffs. And then cautions fell in the way that um, helped him out in the end. But um, yeah, the fact that he made it through to the next round, I think is huge. So I would, I would say Truex had the best day. What about you? I think I, I think I'm going to go with chase. I know he got spun out toward the end there, but the fact that he was able to win both the first two stages and lock himself into the playoff or into the championship four and not have to worry about what happened the rest of the race at Martinsville was probably a really good strategy. If you can take, take a wild short tracks, inconsistency and unpredictability out of it by taking those first two stages, I'd, I love the strategy in that particular move. And for that reason, I think he probably has the best day for me. That's fair. Um, I definitely think what he did was the least stressful. That's for sure. Um, (laughs) Compared to like Hamlin and everybody else. So um, yeah, I think worst day, it could, Kyle Busch is in contention. Um, He barely missed out. Although I think he felt like his round was over a couple weeks ago at this point. but yeah, he's another contender for worst day, I think, for me. Worst day for me is pretty easy. It's Denny Hamlin. <laughs> you don't say. I do. I mean, he made it to the next round. He's in the championship. <laughs> he did, yes. Um, but boy, he made Chase Elliott look like he had a lot of maturity. No, I don't know. I don't know about that. So you're, are you are you thinking Denny Hamlin was out of line there? Which what was what was out of bounds for you from his from his perspective? I think Denny Hamlin was significantly out of line. You need to win and lose with grace. And he did not lose with grace. He threw a hissy fit. He tried to outstage a classic NASCAR burnout for the fans. He takes that away from the fans. He becomes a spectacle and puts the attention back on himself. Honestly, I love Denny Hamlin, but I'm on, I'm embarrassed for him by the way he acted. He acted like a child. He was throwing a temper tantrum because his mom didn't let him get a matchbox car while they were in Walmart. (laughs) It was ridiculous. A grown man should not be acting that way. Um, as far as the race goes, probably not the worst day. He got through. He's in the championship four. But his actions at the end of the race, you know, luckily he had his crew chief in his ear being the voice of reason for him and just saying, big picture, buddy, get your ass out of there. Don't be stupid. Be don't smart, Denny. Yeah, don't get us kicked out of this round. But there's, it's just, it's an uncalled for thing. Take your lumps, settle it, settle it after the race sit down in the trailer and talk it out get in a little brouhaha and push each other and pit lane if you want to but let him go burn it down for the fans and and enjoy being in in victory lane um yeah i just he he was out of line he he acted childish there this is tough for me to say because hamlin's one of my favorite drivers yeah it honestly gives me some uh, T.O. running to the middle of the Cowboys field vibes. Yeah. Like trying to show up, show up when you're not needed. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's very much like that. Um, 
very much Deshaun Jackson turning around and running backwards through the end zone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and on the Deshaun Jackson uh, metaphor here, hopefully he doesn't drop the ball before he crosses the goal line. Yes. And if this becomes a distraction this week, because I'm looking, I'm looking at the social media and reporters and journalists and who knows, just social media influencers and people who have access to the drivers right now are having a real fun time asking Denny Hamlin if he's buying one of the hack t-shirts <laughs> or continuing to bring this up and press this shit, press this issue. I think Denny is enough of a pro to have it not be a distraction. I think when he gets behind the wheel on Sunday, it's going to be go time. But yeah, it, it could spill over. I mean, look at look at Harvick. Look at Harvick and Chase. Mm-hmm. Harvick spun Chase out. He thought he did enough. He didn't quite do enough. And then he overdrove a turn that essentially knocked him out of the playoffs. Yeah. So who knows what we're going to see out of this, but... I can tell you one thing. I will not be betting on Hamlin trying to mess up the 48th race on no. Sunday because it's too much of a risk for himself. Yeah, there's no reason. All right, so I'm I'm done ranting about that now. Boy, they, they've given me some good rants, especially down at the end of the year here. Sure, do. Um, so obviously Bowman was the other party involved in this. Talk to me about how you saw his move. Was it on purpose? Did he just drive the corner a little too far? Was he colorblind and didn't see the bright yellow spoiler? What what was going on with all of that from Bowen's perspective, in your opinion? Yeah, obviously I can only say in my opinion, um, and based on what, you know, the announcer said, Dale Jr. kind of put a good description to it that said, like, basically at this point in the run, you're driving as hard as you can. It's the last 10 laps of the race. Your equipment is basically at the point where it's barely hanging on, like in terms of brakes and everything like that. So, like, you're going to. Right, because this is a big braking track. Yep. So it's like, yeah, you're just trying to get the car slowed down every time and you're barely getting it done. And this time he, like, overdid it and got into Hamlin. So that's like the argument for saying like, obviously he didn't mean to, or he probably didn't mean to given how much they raced clean before that. And he even gave him a bump earlier that you were talking to me about. Um, but right, cause that, when I was watching the Fox highlights, I saw one little bump with 23 to go where Denny got pushed up the track a little bit. And I thought that was what he was pissed off about. No, no, no. Yeah. I was like, hold on a minute. <laughs> Yeah, no, so that that bump happened, and um, even uh, when that occurred, Bowman, like, let Hamlin back by, kind of, or, like, made sure to just be like, oops, I didn't mean to. So, like, he didn't didn't seem like he wanted to race him that way. The problem is, and the reason I think Hamlin is uh, maybe potentially justified in calling him a hack, I don't think his anything else he said or did is justifiable. But I think like, I understand where the hack comment comes from. Cause he's basically saying like, you tried to hang with me, like on the ragged edge and you slipped and it cost me the race, like as opposed to you. So like, don't drive in over your head to, and ruin like, and with the potential to ruin a playoff driver's day, like 
if you're in over your head, then just take a second and like take what the car is giving you. Don't try to overdrive it because then you'll do something like that. Yeah, and, and that that particular point, I do agree with him on. It was pretty pretty clear from what I saw that Hamlin had the better car. Yeah, and I mean, he gave him room. It's not like one of those situations where he was crowding him down and made it really close. It was like, no, he gave him enough room, and Bowman just didn't stick the corner, which it happens. It's it's why they're long, grueling races where you're you know barely hanging out at the end. Um, but obviously, people aren't going to be happy if it costs you if their mistake costs you the race and they win. That doesn't feel great. Um, but what also doesn't feel great is being Team Penske right now because um, they were they were so focused on the 750 horsepower tracks. We talked about it during the summer, um, seeing them outperform other teams on those tracks, but not so much on the 550s. And now it feels like everybody's caught up to them, and they didn't even make it into the championship four. So, what do you think happened there, Josh? Do you have any any theories on why didn't Penske show up like we thought they would? So my best theory at this point is the the thought was that they were focusing primarily on the 750s and the next gen cars i'm wondering if they have just been really primarily focusing on the next gen car Mm. you know you get to you get to this point in the season obviously you're being outclassed by hendrix pretty much the entire season once the playoffs started joe gibbs really came to life uh, throughout these last 12 races and maybe maybe there was a little bit of a shift in focus maybe there's a little bit with the fact that one of your drivers is essentially no longer with the team anymore with Keselowski with uh Keselowski going to Roush Fenway um I don't know and maybe I mean this might all just be me blowing wind right now um, but clearly Hendrix and Joe Gibbs were just better. Yeah. They're just better. I mean, even through the playoffs, I think we kind of saw Stuart Haas come to life a little bit. Harvick was yeah. consistently up there in the top 10, top five battling for a few wins. We saw a good showing out of Almirola in a few of these races. Briscoe had some good ones. Yeah, there's definitely a, Increase in performance out of those guys, I thought. Yeah, the field either caught up to them or, or maybe their focus wasn't as much on the 750 as we really thought it was. It'll be, yeah. it'll be interesting when we get into next year, and I think, think this will be an interesting off-season pod topic that we could, could hit on at some point, and that would be, are we going to see another a third year in a row with another new dominator? for the season last year we had hamlin and and harvick just dominating the season this year we had larson dominating the season i think you could throw the rest of hendrix in there yeah uh, but it was it was really larson more than anybody so i'd be curious to see with the brand new car and some team shuffling around um just to have a conversation of you know who do we think might be might be the next one up to kind of have a really, really dominant year in 2022. Yeah. Um, so I, me- I mentioned a little bit uh, Joe Gibbs and Hendricks with the 750s. 
Do you think maybe Joe Gibbs racing past Hendricks a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny to say because, like, if you think about it, uh, at Martinsville, the the two dominant guys, or the you know the dominant driver leading the most laps was Chase Elliott. That's a Hendrick car. The guy who ended up winning the race uh, was a Hendrick car. So it doesn't seem like that's the case, but I think for what we saw from the 11 and the 18 and, and the 19, they all seem to be up there in the mix with Chase Elliott and Brad Kay and a couple others kind of working their way in and out of the top 10, I think for most of that race. So um, they certainly ran stronger. It felt like uh, than Hendrick in general, other than Chase Elliott. And he might be, I guess, strong enough to carry that team if Kyle Larson isn't, because I feel like this is Kyle Larson's weakness. He can't dominate the way he can uh, on other tracks at a 750 horsepower track. Like he's, He's vulnerable, I guess, at least a little. <laughs> so that's what makes it interesting for me, I think, is that Joe Gibbs maybe isn't enough to overcome Hendrick, but it certainly feels like they're much more competitive and have a decent shot at it. They both have two cars in the final championship four. So, I mean, that kind of tells you everything, I, I feel like. Yeah. Um... All right, that probably covers Martinsville pretty well. Um, we usually end this with hot takes, bold predictions. You got anything in in that realm? Um, I was thinking about that. I was I was thinking the easiest hot take I could have, and I'd be curious to see what the odds of this are um, in like Vegas or something. Uh, what are the odds that I can pick against Kyle Larson for winning the championship? I think I, I'd take the field as in the other three drivers versus Larson, I would take the field. Interesting. I think that the championship is going to come down to the nine versus the five. And one of them is going to walk away from it. Very, very pissed off. <laughs> oh, that'd be interesting. That would be very, I'm, pre- I'm predicting some Hendrix versus Hendrix fireworks on the, within the last five laps. Oh boy, I I mean I I'd, I'd enjoy that for just the entertainment of it. I don't know if it's going to happen, but we'll see. Um, but speaking of Vegas, this was something that I was thinking about, which would be kind of a a fun prop, and I'm sure somebody has it somewhere that the four playoff drivers all finish in the top five. Mm. That that would be a fun little one to throw throw a ten dollar bill on. Yeah, I'd be curious. I don't I'm really curious what you get for odds on that. Honestly, though, they always do so well. But like, it's got to be at least plus a thousand, right? Yeah, I would I would hope, but I don't know if it would. I it might only be like plus five hundred or something, which is like crazy, but. I'm going to peruse DraftKings. Yeah, just real quick. I'm looking at uh, DraftKings Sportsbook already for championship odds, at least. Um, And Kyle Larson is plus 170. 
Chase Elliott plus 270, Denny Hamlin plus 300, and Truex plus 380. So I kind of like the long shot call of Truex. I mean, he won this race in the um, the Phoenix race in the spring, right? So yeah, Truex plus 380 is not a bad idea, but it doesn't have anything other than that, unless I'm just that's, not that's exactly how FanDuel prices them out, too. Yep. So they're in agreement. The top four are going to be the top four, probably, unless, you know, something happens to them, and then and we'll see. So, uh, the, so the race, oh, there's, these are actually interesting, uh, two interesting props. Let's just, let's just hit these and see what we think about them. Okay. Um, they only have two race props. Odd or even winning car number. Oh, Jesus. I'm sure this comes as no surprise that odd is minus 300. Yeah, because there's three odds. There's four four odds. Oh, yeah. Wait, what? All four in the championship are Oh, odd. wow. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and then this one is also fun. Over under winning car number set at 9.5. <laughs> The over 9.5 is minus 150, which is interesting. And the the under 9.5 is plus 120. Well, yeah, because you got two championship drivers and some others. Right. But that that splits it so you get, if you take the over, you get Denny and Truex. Yeah, yeah. If you take the under... I mean, obviously, you get less less cars with under nine point right. five, but you get Larson and Elliott. Yeah, yeah. No, it's very interesting. Um, there are approximately ten drivers, uh, including Larson and Elliott, under nine and a half, and there are approximately uh, twenty-seven. No, twenty-nine. No, twenty-eight. <laughs> there are twenty-eight. Uh, drivers, if you went with nine and a half and over, so definitely more yeah. drivers, but important ones are split fifty fifty. I would say. And then one interesting, one more interesting one under driver props. For unfortunately, my app is acting very wonky, so I have to keep going to it. So if I read it quick enough, Joe Gibbs to have more cars finish in the top ten than Hendricks. And they're both they're both on minus lines. No is minus one fifteen, and yes is minus one hundred five. Yeah, it's a real good toss up. I would say Joe Gibbs. I'm picking a uh, side on that one. So would I. More in the top ten. Yeah. Christopher Bell and Alex Bowman are like the wild cards of that. <laughs> yep. Interesting. All right. Well. We're, we're not to Phoenix yet. We're still at Martinsville, um, but we'll get there soon enough. Um, real quick, going to just mention the ideal lineup from Martinsville was the 48 winning the race, the nine leading a whole bunch of laps and finishing 16th after getting spun out. Uh, Eric Almirola didn't quite see that coming, although I think he did make it into, yeah, he made it into your tournament. So well done there. My um, tournament and our guys we missed lineup. Yeah, yeah. So well done. We gave them to you. Yeah. 
he was there for the taking along with the 43 who was your by low right yeah and then the 18 mm -hmm. was my lock so yeah we really hit on the uh the trifecta i guess between the two of us and, and the nine was in my draft yep he was um let's see who the 48 the 48 was in uh sarah's lineup which is somehow the best lineup that happened um so like i mentioned i think on the podcast um since she listens um and we feel like we give good advice but our individual picks might not always work her picks based on our podcast got her the best score out of all of us love to see a success story from the iRace we gamble podcast <laughs> it's always great um yeah her lineup is 429.6 so that was just 50 off the ideal lineup it made 2.25x in tournament um my best lineup was my draft lineup which was 416.4 got me 2x my tournament lineup also scored 1.8 um which that was a 415.7 score so both of those just kind of enough to get me some money back and then my cash scored as well i only made it into a one dollar cash lineup um I believe, or maybe it was $2, but uh, in any case, um, barely made it in in the 49th place, plus 1.3 points above 50th, um, or 51st, I guess, right? So cash barely made it. It was just enough, and I had, I had no losses. It was a, it was a great weekend for me. Um, Josh, how did your uh, tournament stuff and your draft stuff go? Uh, so my draft hit 2x. That was at uh, 427.3, and my tournament also went 2x. That was 122.8. Uh, my cash did not fill, which is okay, because based on the score, I probably would not have gotten into that top 50%. I think I would have been just underneath it. Yeah. Uh, and then the the guys we missed line up, you know, we got the 10 in there, but the rest of it was just okay. Yeah. If Hamlin had ended up winning that race, I think that lineup ends up being close to the best because he was really the downfall of that lineup and he could have been winning the race. So. Well, we mentioned your by low was the 43. He made it in the ideal lineup and it was obviously a great pick. I had the 47, which was okay. Um, you could still score a 458 lineup with that, which is better than anything we did, um, but not quite ideal, obviously. So he was still a decent pick. You could make a good lineup with him. Um, but the 43 was great, um, along with the 10. And there was a few other guys in between them. Um, but then the yeah, steering yeah. drivers. Yeah, go ahead. Yet, yet another race where one of us, one of us nails the buy low, one of us nails the lock. Yeah, we could never do it at the same time for some reason. <laughs> um, one of these days, one of these days, all four of them are going to be in the ideal lineup, and we're going to feel like geniuses. Hopefully, it comes on Sunday. Oh, that'd be nice. That'd be cool. Um, there were some steer clear drivers. Obviously, Hamlin getting spun out um, was somebody that didn't end up working out for your lineup. Christopher Bell really didn't have the race I expected him to. Um, Harvick was okay, but um, ultimately didn't have a strong enough car to get you much of anything. And then Larson didn't look very strong. Blaney didn't look very strong, and neither did Logano. So hope you didn't have them in your lineup. Um, we mentioned some price swaps on the last uh podcasts with the 18 and the 12 
and the 22 and the five, basically thinking the 18 and the 22 should be the more expensive ones. Um, and that was true between the 18 and the 12, just barely. Uh, it wasn't exactly true between the five and the 22, but basically all of these prices were about the same. So the fact that they were 1.5 apart from each other is like, maybe they should have been closer, but it maybe only 0.5. It would have been hard to find a price much better. So well done to us, sort of. Um, and then, Josh, you're just, you're just dogpiling me in the draft here. Thought I would have it with the 18 being my first overall pick and in the ideal lineup, but you you came back with some better picks than me and beat me in the draft again. Yeah, picking that 43 with the third overall pick worked out real nicely. Yeah, yeah, and then you got the nine at the sixth overall, so those are really great picks. Uh, worked out well for you. My Christopher Bell picked and the draft was not good. Your Austin Dillon pick was much better. Um, hate to see it for me. I <laughs> uh, love to see it for me. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's how that works. Um, all right, so we're going to talk a little bit about Phoenix. Um, we're not going to get into a draft or anything like that. We're going to save that for the bonus pod once we know starting positions. Uh, but we will talk a little bit about prices and stuff like that. Um, and a little bit about just the race in general. So um, they raced here in the spring, uh, same number of laps, I think almost the same stage lengths too. Um, so 312, the first stage is 75, then it's 115, 122. So basically the first stage, you could make it all the way through without pitting. Um, I don't know if guys are going to want to make a pit stop halfway through if it goes green, because um, we're not going to get a competition caution. Um, maybe tires will be worth pitting or splitting that stage in half. Maybe everyone just goes to 75 laps. Um, be, they'll probably know more after practice and qualifying, um, have a better sense of what the strategy might be. Um, and then there's the 115 lap stage. So that'll definitely be split in half and same for the final stage. Um, if you're interested in watching practice or qualifying, uh, practice is on Friday November 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. So I'm not sure this podcast will be out in time, but hopefully if you're at work and there's a TV around that you want to tune into the practice for, just listen to it in the background. Um, you could do that. Uh, qualifying is on Saturday at 4 o'clock, so the exact same time as F1 qualifying. So I'm going to be doing a nice little dual screen experience Saturday. Um, <laughs> and then the race is at 3 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. Um, so really curious to see how practice and qualifying go. It'll give us a good sense of, you know, who was fast in practice and maybe missed that. Who was fast in practice and maybe screwed up their qualifying run. Um, or, you know, maybe somebody outperforms in qualifying and then do we trust them or not? We'll talk about it Saturday night. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely tune in either Saturday night or Sunday morning before you set your lineups because we have done very well on the races where we've had practice and qualifying because it really, really shows you a lot and affects how you build your lineups. Um, so it's going to be an important thing. And this year we have definitely had our best weeks on practice qualifying weeks. Yeah. Cause you, you, you get the guys like a Martin Truex who has an issue during qualifying after great practice runs and starts 36 starting them <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah it'll be interesting um to see maybe we'll do a spotify green room for the saturday night thing too i don't know might 
maybe we'll see. Um, but before we sign off on this podcast, uh, do you just want to recap some of the playoff score that I sort of created as sort of a bracket system? Um, essentially the same way you, if you fill out an NCAA tournament bracket, um, how you get scored in those is you get some points for early wins and then more points the later in the rounds it is. So did the same sort of thing with this. And I did not get a champion, right? Because he's already eliminated Kyle Busch. Um, and I missed two out of the last four in the round of four. Um, I only had the five of the 19. So I only ended up with 52 points overall out of a possible 96. Josh is at 61 points out of a possible 96. And he could still get 24 more points if Kyle Larson wins the championship. So Josh beat me at my own game. It's the story of the year. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it. I, I mean, I'm fine with you doing better than me as long as I still win sometimes. Which has happened. Yes, it has. Last weekend was a good weekend for me. Um, and then one other thing I want to do uh, before we go is just talk about pricing of drivers, because that's all we really know right now. Um, and obviously, our impressions of this could obviously change based on how practice goes or where people qualify. So all subject to change. But just first glance, Josh, what what jumped out at you based on any of the prices of any of the drivers? Well, it makes sense to me that the championship for the four highest priced, and they fo- they're they following the Vegas lines, Larson at the top, followed by Chase, then Denny, then Truex. So I'm good with all of that. Okay. I don't think that Byron should be priced over Kyle Busch. Mm. Um. And I really, really don't think, let's see, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I do not think Harvick should be the 11th most expensive driver. He should easily be inside the top 10. I would say inside the top eight. Yeah. Yeah. For price point. So pre qualifying, pre practice, I am looking hard at Harvick uh, Mm -hmm. for this race in my lineups, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm going through it right now, looking down the list and kind of setting my ceiling and floor um, in my spreadsheet. And it's kind of making it so that I'm realizing where um, I might go up or down based on the driver, knowing it's in the order they're priced in. And so I think the one thing that um, I noticed first is Eric Almarola, I think, is maybe a little overpriced. Um, potentially. I think guys like Kurt Busch, Tyler Reddick, and Mads Benedetto behind him, maybe even Chastain, Dylan. I think all those guys sound like better um, picks, but again, based on yeah. starting. So Almarola finished 11th in the spring. Yeah, and that's fine, but I just I don't, I don't know. I just don't see it. I feel like those other names um, have higher upside, I guess is what it is. I would agree. Yeah, so I think he might be priced a little high. Yeah, potentially. But again, you have the... He's only a thousand less than Harvick. Yeah. I'm taking Harvick for a thousand more every single time. Yeah, exactly. I'm probably taking Harvick at two thousand more every time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's see, what else? I, I do understand why Denny Hamlin's in the top four. Um, 
and I actually like him to potentially win the race, but I also think he has the most turmoil going around right now. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess Chase Elliott has some of that too with Harvick to a degree. So maybe, maybe I'm discounting that a little, but I think either one of them, you could factor in a lower floor. If you just want to look at it from that perspective of, Hey, they're in a little bit more of a battle than some of these other guys. Like, I don't think Kyle Larson is mad at anyone. <laughs> I don't think Truex is currently that mad at anyone. So those guys might have a slight edge if you're just looking for floor. Um, so maybe in a cash play, that's a good idea. Um, hmm. I guess the intriguing guys that are always potential budget picks for me are like the 23, the 43, and the 99. Those are all around the 7,000 mark. Um, a little under that at 6.5 for Suarez. I feel like that's usually a good range. Um, they're priced a little higher than they normally are, but... Um, if they qualify poorly and have good practices, those might be really good budget picks. That's what I would focus on for those three guys. Anything else jump out at you? Nothing really leaping out at me. Yeah. Yeah, it feels pretty straightforward otherwise. Um, but obviously we'll see with how things develop this weekend. Um, are we, what's this weekend look like, Josh? Is it desert weather? It is desert weather. Sunday is going to be 88 sunshine with a mix of clouds. Wonderful. Um, so we'll definitely have qualifying on Saturday as well, you think? Oh, yeah. Saturday is mainly sunny 91. Perfect. And Friday practice is mostly sunny 90. So it's going to be the same day all weekend. Perfect. That's what I like to hear. Um, all right. Then we shouldn't have any issue bringing you uh, the bonus pod Saturday night. Either check your podcast feed Sunday morning, check our Twitter handle at High Race Week Gamble, or potentially check with us on Spotify Green Room if we decide to record there. Um, I'll put a link to that in the show notes if I can. I think it's possible. Um, yeah, we'll we'll tweet it out that we're doing that if we yeah, decide exactly. to. Yep. So uh, yeah, look forward to talking more on Saturday.